As modern Americans, we are raised under the assumption that our home is safe. We believe that we can take our roads to places unknown and feel secure. We don't have to worry about the dangers of the old world. We don't have to worry about monsters. In our travels, we are bound to find experiences that challenge that safety, and we come out with nothing to show except a story that no one will believe. These are those stories. This is the Great American Apocrypha. It was the summer of 2014, and I was in a ska band. We were the AOKs, a seven-piece outfit out of Denver, Colorado. We had been working hard for six years to the result of a decent fan recognition and virtually no money. It was a passion project, an artful attempt to whilst away our 20s. We poured our sweat and tears into our music, and our labor was finally starting to pay off. We were offered a spot on a semi-professional tour around the US. We had toured during previous summers, but we had never before garnered any sponsorship or support from a larger company. This was an opportunity to play major venues with major bands and to have an official name behind us. We had all agreed. This was our big shot. We didn't realize that we would soon be putting our lives at risk. We started west and played through Salt Lake City, Las Vegas, and into California. We played a couple of cities in California before heading north towards Portland, Oregon. We played every night and, with such a demanding performance schedule, we would often need to drive our tour van through the night to make it to the next city in time. Luckily, our drummer and trombone player loved long-distance driving and would take the wheel through almost every leg of the tour. It was the night after our show in Berkeley. We were drunk and overtired from a night of wild partying, but we were on a tight schedule. We decided to drive the 10-hour trek to Portland overnight so we wouldn't have to deal with any day traffic. The journey would take us up the I-5 through Redwood Country and into the rural byways of the Pacific Northwest. We were only an hour or so from the Oregon state boundary when we considered that a pit stop was in order. As is usual for road trips, we needed to gas up, use the bathroom, and get snacks. We looked up gas stations on our GPS, and luckily, there was one coming up in a small town. We crossed our fingers that it would be open. I apologize, but due to the rigorous tour schedule, lack of sleep, and day drinking at the time, I do not remember the name of the town. However, I will say I knew the name of the town when this all happened because I found it odd that it did not show up on any highway mile markers. We got to the gas station around two or three in the morning and immediately felt like something was off. The town was the type of tiny rink-a-dink rest stop that you're used to finding on road trips, but the only building with any lights on was the gas station. There were a number of other buildings, but they seemed dead. 
there were no illuminated storefront signs or any kind of activity. There were also no cars anywhere. Of course, you could chalk the weirdness up to the town being closed for the night, but it didn't help the immediate heebie-jeebies that we all felt. The gas station was open and we stopped the van to gas up. Some of us stayed in the van to sleep while the rest of us went in to get drinks and snacks. This is where things started to get really weird. The night attendant was blasting uncensored tracks from Limp Biscuit and Corn. In retrospect, it isn't all that weird for a bored late night clerk to play his music loud during his shift, but it did nothing to help the unease we felt. When we came in, he politely turned the music down. Our trumpet player went to use the restroom and found that it was locked. A moment later, a girl came out. She wasn't wearing a uniform, so she must have been another customer. Her presence was strange because, once again, there were no cars outside the building. Did she walk to the gas station in the middle of the night? Both the attendant and this other customer were immediately friendly with us. They asked us welcoming questions like where we were headed and details about the tour. Soon the questions turned from welcoming to strangely pointed. These late night strangers asked us things like, So, would you describe your hair as like brown or black? That's a nice tour van. What's its year, make, and model? Oh, your name's Bob? Well, what about your last name? We got what we needed and we left the store. The girl had become chummy with us and followed us out, asking more questions. We remained friendly, but when we all got into the van, we expressed the mutual sentiment of, let's get the fuck out of here. Our drummer took the wheel and we drove back to the highway. We chalked the whole experience to late night small town weirdness. I was done for the day, so I curled up on my seat and started to doze off. Good morning. Matt Sanchez here. AOKs. Scott Revival Tour. Last night. Took a little power nap, you know? And I woke up to Bob. Bob, what did you say last night? Right. I don't know. It was something. Okay, guys, something's happening. It was, it was something. No, Bob, we're it was kind of something along the lines of, what the fuck? And then I wake up to you. The next thing I heard was a loud thud and a what the fuck from our drummer. My waking brain thought immediately that he had fallen asleep at the wheel or hit an animal. I was further confused when he sped the van up instead of slowing down or pulling over. As my grogginess subsided, I realized that almost all of us had also been asleep aside from our drummer, and we were all equally confused. Our trombonist was in the front passenger seat, and I saw there was now a huge crack in the van's windshield right in front of him. Our guitarist was in the seat behind the driver's seat, and he was trying to brush something out of his hair. Our trumpet player was screaming, what happened? What's going on? Our drummer replied, some dude on the side of the road just threw a fucking boulder at us. He was driving well over the speed limit at this point, and we were all awake with a general panic. Our trumpet player picked up her phone and dialed 911. She explained the situation to the operator and was only on the phone for about a minute before she said, quite pensively, no, we are not doing that. We were going to keep driving. I couldn't hear the operator on the other end, but our trumpet player's face suggested that this person did not like our answer. The call ended and she explained that emergency services wanted us to pull over immediately and wait for the cops. Fuck no, we said to that. 
The guy who threw the rock obviously wanted to cause us harm and was probably planning to shatter the windshield instead of just cracking it. He wanted the van to stop so he could rob us, or worse. When tensions de-escalated, we recounted what had happened with our drummer. He couldn't make out many details about the guy. When we asked if he wanted to rest while someone else drove, he said there was no way he was sleeping and that he was fine to drive. The night went on as usual, and we made no more stops until daylight. We spoke a lot about the whole event in the next few days and realized how weird the encounter in the gas station was. Why were the people in the sleepy town so interested in us? Was it possible that the people in the gas station were in contact with the man who attacked us? Were they grifters who worked in tandem to rob travelers in the middle of the night? Was the whole event drug-related? Or was it something even more sinister? An endangered mind can come to many different conclusions. Ultimately, we came out safe, and the tour continued as usual. That experience became one of those crazy stories that stays in the back of your head. One of those weird tales from your youth where you were in danger and you could have been hurt, but against all odds, you turned out perfectly fine. It's the type of story you share with friends. And that's what I did. Is creepy. Oregon, like the whole state, is my new favorite cryptid. Just the whole state of Oregon. Just that, yeah. Oregon's a cryptid now. You're welcome. This is Dahlia. Cell phones are for the government, ham radio is for the people. Dahlia is the guitarist and singer-songwriter for her folk-punk project, Flower Crown Me a Queen. Dahlia is a freewheeling spirit. She rarely stays in one place for a long time. She invokes the vagabonds of American folktales. And in many ways, she's a folk hero herself. She travels from locale to locale, sometimes by train hopping, sometimes by hitchhiking. In this story, however, she was traveling up the West Coast by Jeep. Bones were the hardest, and I guess I'll live wherever my chest rests. Different roads for different homes, but none of them I call my own. I wonder what it's like to know where you belong. I wonder what it's like to know you are wrong. Dahlia had two partners in San Diego, and she wanted to expose them to her lifestyle. Taste of the traveling life, the touring life, the weird kind of traveling dirty kid stuff that I get up to usually. We were in San Francisco and it was starting to get dark. And instead of trying to find a, another place to sleep, we decided to tackle the 10 hour drive up to Portland and then maybe actually get to spend some time hanging out up there. As we were driving over the Golden Gate Bridge, I noticed that the engine light was on and suggested that we pull over at a Jiffy Lube because the car was due for an oil change about then. So we go over to the Jiffy Lube and everything was fine. They're like, we don't know why your engine light is on. Good luck, I guess. So we're like, okay, that's weird, but there's no smoke coming out of the engine, so we might as well keep going. After throwing caution into the wind, Dahlia and her party drove further into the night. We pull over at the, this burger joint into the parking lot and rearrange the back of the car to make a little sleeping nest. We're going to have one person in the back, one person driving, one person co-piloting. So you got two awake people all given times and one person sleeping in shifts so that we all don't die. 
I take first sleeping shift and sleep for about four hours. When I wake up, we're still in California because it is a long ass bitch of a state. Kyle climbs into the back and starts falling asleep and I climb up to the front to co-pilot for Ryan. After a while, Ryan starts getting sleepy and so she suggests that we switch. To which I say, yeah, I'm good. I can drive. I only got four hours of sleep. No worries. We switch before we get to the state lines of California and Oregon. And as soon as we drive into Oregon on I-5, this beautiful mountain pass, this really really thick fog starts draping over the mountains. I look in the rearview mirror and it looks like something out of Gravity Falls. It's gorgeous, but really disconcerting. Anyone who has ever driven into unfamiliar lands knows that a lack of sleep and a lack of security can play tricks on the mind. As her trip wore on, Dahlia started to see shapes and figures in the terrain ahead. At one point, Ryan wakes up, and I ask her if she can also see the weird dark figures walking along the side of the highway. To which she replies, What? No, what? She then falls asleep again, thinking that she's still in fact dreaming. The ride continued, and the weirdness with it. About half an hour later, Kyle's like, Hey, my stomach hurts. Can you pull over at the next gas station or rest stop or bathroom of any kind? And before long, we see one of those big blue uh, services available signs. And said like a mile, there's this one single gas station. We're like, okay, it's probably going to be closed because it's like two in the morning in rural Oregon. But fuck it. We ain't got any other ideas. So we pull off the highway and into this little town, over which there is some more thick, dense fog just resting on the rooftops of this town. No lights are on, no one's about, which is to be expected. It's a small town in a rural part of the mountains. So we make our way to the gas station, which is the only lit thing in the entire town, like got blinding fluorescent white lights above us and nothing around for frickin' miles. And as we turn into the gas station, our headlights pass over the window to look inside and there is nothing in there except for some debris. No counter, no snacks, even refrigerators in there. It's just abandoned, basically, even though all the lights are wrong, which is already really, really weird. The town was strange enough, but Kyle was about to point out something even stranger. There was a porta potty outside, so we're like, heck it, might as well. It's the best we got. I pull in front of the porta potty, and Kyle gets out and does his business. I feel like I'm in Silent Hill, and so my eyes are like glancing every which way in the mist, just expecting someone to walk out and murder us all. Kyle gets done with his business, comes back into the car, and is like, hey, we really looked out. And I'm like, why? This place is creepy as shit. And Kyle's like, well, the porta potty was just serviced today. It was like a little service log inside and it had just been maintained today. And I was like, that's really weird considering that this gas station is just straight up abandoned. Kyle's like, no, no, it's not. How? And so I pull the car back around, shine the headlights right back into the front of the window of the convenience store side of the gas station. And again, it's just abandoned. And Kyle's like, I don't like that. We should leave. And I go, yes, we should. And so we do. <laughs> we get back onto the highway. And as we're pulling out of town, we see another one of those big blue services available signs. But this one is just completely blank. It's a weird thing to see just pop out of the darkness while driving along the highway in the middle of the night. 
Kyle's like, I don't know where the fuck we are. I don't know where we were. That town was weird as shit. What is it called? Where the heck are we? Kyle pulls up his GPS on his phone and the place we were at, I don't even know if I can call it a town because towns exist on this physical plane. That place just had no name. It didn't exist. It wasn't on the electronic GPS. And we're just like, okay, that's cool. Still don't know where the fuck we were, but thanks, I guess. Much like my experience, Dahlia, Kyle, and Ryan had found a place amongst the U.S. byways that seemingly didn't exist, at least not to the acknowledgement of modern maps. So we keep on driving, and I'm getting tired. It's like three in the morning at this point, and so Kyle and I switch. I pull off at the top of this off-ramp. It's one of those big, real lengthy boys with one bridge going across like you see in the middle of nowhere off interstates. You know the ones. And it's like 3 in the morning. Again, no one's around. It's the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere in the middle of Oregon, which is again the middle of nowhere. So I get out and I stretch a little bit because I've been driving for a hot minute. And as I'm doing so, I see Kyle sprinting around the front of the car and he's like, hey, Get in, there's someone coming up the off-ramp behind us. So I go around the car and I look back and see who's coming up the off-ramp and I don't see anything. No headlights, no nothing, and I let Kyle know this. Kyle looks back, looks at me, whips his head back to the off-ramp, looks at me and goes, I swear I saw headlights coming up that off-ramp. And I'm like, I'm not saying that you didn't. I'm saying that they're not there now. This place is fucking weird. That's a thing that probably happens all the time. And Kyle's like, yeah, that's creepy as shit. Let's just, let's just go. They had escaped their ghost town and the things that lurked within. The trio fought on to Portland, a city with its own weird reputation. Later that day, we make our way over near the airport and get ourselves a hotel room for the night. It was real nice, super duper cozy. There was a fucking Hey Arnold marathon going on the TV. We were like, hey, let's just get, let's just get drunk tonight. Let's do some drinking. We've been traveling a lot, so let's just, let's just do that. But there was a cemetery nestled between a bar and a dispensary right across the street, which is also a thing in Portland, I guess. I don't know. So we head across the street. There was a gas station on the other side of the cemetery. And as we're passing the cemetery, we noticed that there is a gravel road going through it, even though it was only like maybe a quarter of a city block big. But there were stop signs within that gravel road to suggest that people drive through there. The stop sign was in the cemetery facing the cemetery. Also, there were like a whole bunch of like those big signs like US 6 or I-25 is this way. It wasn't even wide enough for cars to drive on, but there were stop signs in the cemetery. I presume for cars, because what else are you going to put stop signs for? (laughs) Stop. Don't go past the entrance of this cemetery. You can't do that. That's that's a stop sign. It's not going to stop ghosts, but I guess that's really fucking funny. We get up the next morning and start headed up to Seattle. And as soon as we cross over the Columbia River into Washington, the engine light turns off. As soon as we cross into Washington, the engine light is just off. There's nothing wrong with the engine anymore. Dahlia had been forever affected by her short trip through Oregon. Though her experiences had creeped her out, she bears no ill will for the state and would even go back to investigate further uncertainty. I I would go back. Portland's a weird city. That was my second time going through Portland. Love for some fucking bat shit. 
crazy fuckery to happen, like in the middle of the woods. That sounds awesome. Please, please, Gravity Falls me. That sounds amazing. A little unnamed town can stay disappeared in a different state of reality for all I care. Don't need to know what's going on there. And if you can't find me, maybe you can find yourself. You can also find Dahlia and Flower Crown Me a Queen on Bandcamp and Facebook. The band just released a new album called Wonder in April of 2020. Dahlia and I had been hanging out in 2019, trading war stories of music and shows, when we got on the subject of crazy tour stories. She had shared this tale with me, and I was inspired to share mine. It occurred to me that almost anyone who has traveled outside their comfort zone might have a story like ours. Everyone has a story that they love to tell, where they can't explain fully what happened to them. These tales live on as part of a person's canon, and they may even be told for the rest of that person's life. It doesn't matter if that tale is exaggerated, embellished, misunderstood, or even if the story is entirely true. That story is a part of them. That story is their apocrypha. is recorded, edited, and produced by Mark Andrew Swan and Michelle Bailey. The title theme and all sound design is by Michelle Bailey. You can find episodes, info, and more on all manner of social media. Thank you for listening.